We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And welcome back to the show, everybody. Delighted that you're with us as we move our attention to University of Miami basketball. And joining us now, delighted to have with us on the show, a former University of Miami coach, also a coach at Virginia, but he coached at the University of Miami. Then he coached at Long Beach State, South Florida, Virginia Tech, and as I knew all along, as I always knew, he'd be a media superstar. The great Seth Greenberg is with us. Coach, how are you? And great to see you there. Doing great, Joe. How are you doing, man? Great seeing you. Hope your wife is doing well, and uh, it was good to be back there, and uh, what a game, man. What a fun environment. What a Terrific game with a, a great ending for the Canes. Yeah, it sure was. Um, give me your overview uh, of that game. Went back and forth. Miami got off to the great start. Uh, Virginia clamped down. Uh, anything catch you by surprise in that game? Or, or what did you think was uh, the, the thing, the one thing that shifted the game toward Miami? Well, I thought the two matchups that were the key matchups to watch were obviously Isaiah Wong and Reese Beekman. Beekman, an elite defensive player, obviously Isaiah Wong, so versatile offensively. Uh, and then up front, Gardner and Miller. And you know, the game started, they went right into Gardner, scored it. You thought, well, you know, maybe they're going to try to attack Miller, get him in foul trouble, but it was the other way around. I thought Jordan Miller was absolutely terrific. Uh, early on, got the tipping, knocked down the three, made some plays off the bounce for other people. But I, I thought it was overall in a big picture. It was the length, athleticism, and versatility of Miami that absolutely shut down Virginia with their defense. Uh, I thought that the length of Miami really impacted Virginia's ability to get a good shot. Every shot was contested. They created turnovers. They were able to get out in transition. Uh, I think that was the difference in the game. You know, at the end of the game, you know, Miami made some mistakes to let Virginia back in the game, but really they dominated the game pretty much for 25 minutes. Yeah. Um, are there many guys you see? You see all the games. Are there many guys in the in the country playing better than Isaiah Wong right now? I think he's phenomenal. I really do. And the thing that impressed me the most, and I, you know, it's funny. I watched practice the day before. I got down there a day early, and he made some passing that, like, were play-ahead passes. The best players see plays before they happen. So I went back on Synergy and looked at all his assists. He's the most underrated passer in the country. He's averaging almost five assists a game. The other thing is that uh, he could score at all three levels. Uh, great in ball screen situations, shooting 36 from the three. Last year he shot only 30. So, you know, the interesting thing about Zay is that he took what the NBA gave him and said you got to work on X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And he went to work. Yeah. And he went to work. You know, he he's what I call a ball guard. He's a, he's a scoring, playmaking guard. Uh, he's playing as well as any guard in the country. And, uh, you know, to me, that's really when you have a guy like that that can create and score it, and then you have the uniqueness of the front court. Undersized, but like Norchad O'Meara, I mean, he's 6'7", or whatever he is with a 7-foot wingspan, but it's, it's it's his lower body strength and the space he takes up. I mean, the guy had five... I think five block shots and physically dominated the front court of Virginia. 
I just think the pieces fit. Uh, Benzley Joseph, I absolutely love the kid. I, I listened to his post-game interview after when I went back to the hotel. So impressed with his presence, his leadership, his buy-in. You know, he started the game before, obviously, due to some injury to a pack. He just buys in, and when he comes in the game, it's almost like I, you know, I, I used the line, he's like Mariano Rivera. It's like bringing a guy from the bullpen who just does everything you need to do to help you win. So I, I, the pieces really fit. Not great depth up front. they got to develop that a little bit more, but really impressive team in terms of how they play, the trust they have for each other. I call Bensley the effervescent Bensley Joseph. I've never seen him. Not well, The only time I have not seen him smile was after the Louisville game. He didn't shoot the ball that well, and he came back the next day and made four threes. Yeah, Joe, he's really good. I mean, he made three three shots in a row, but like he's as good an on-ball defender. Like You're bringing a guy off the bench, and he's sitting in the stance, tracing the ball, turning the ball handler, makes enough open shots, plays with a joy that's infectious. Um I think Harlem Beverly's the same thing. I mean, they've yeah. got to figure out, obviously, up front. Is it going to be Casey? Is it going to be Miller? You know, who is it going to be to be that, that guy in the rotation in the front court? I think they've got some, you know, some options available to them. Uh, they can disrupt it in terms of blitz and ball screens. Uh, I was really – look, I've known Jim Laranagan. We were assistants together at Virginia. <laughs> he has a gift to empower players. That's his greatest gift. It isn't even, you know, you know, when you talk about the technical side, putting guys in position to play to their strengths, which is huge, offensively and defensively. But the empowerment he gives his team uh, and the confidence he gives his team, uh, really, really impressive. And they play with great confidence. You know, he does a really uh, – he does a – I'm around him all the time. And uh, I'm appreciative of that and have really great access with him. And um, he does a, a really good job of coaching their minds. And when they make a mistake, yeah. you know, he's found a way, you know, uh, there's that fine line, right? But you're a former coach. When guys make mistakes, uh, you know, how do you handle it? Do you yell at them? Do you not yell at them? Blah, blah, whatever. He's found that fine line. So now if they make a mistake, they kind of look at him like, okay, coach, uh, I, I know what I did. I'm good. Or And there's, they don't panic over it. So, uh, I guess what I'm saying is they they recover easily easier from a mistake and they just move forward. Yeah, and that's a lot of what he does. He he really does coach their minds uh, and their spirit. Uh, and you know, the other thing he's doing a really good job is managing their roster. Uh, you know, because it's hard to keep ten guys happy. It's hard to you know sell a guy like Benzo Joseph coming off the bench when he knows he can do things. Uh, and then, like, the commitment the kids were making. Like, you know, I, I, I came in early to watch Virginia practice, and, uh, you know, Woogie's out in there working on his game. You know, Zay was in there 6.30 every morning in the summer preseason with Billy Courtney, you know, working on his jumper, working on his footwork, working on getting behind the ball in the catch, working on his release. So, you know, there is, a, there is an ownership to in, embrace the potential and, you know, and basically make sure that they're not satisfied. You know, they had a great year last year, but they're not satisfied. They feel like they, they can once again do something special in a league right now that we saw Duke lose last night, obviously a little bit of a surprise, but, you know, uh, or the other night. And, uh, you know, Virginia was in top five, and they, they get a win against Virginia who hadn't beaten six consecutive games. So, uh their resume and what they're doing is they're taking care of business and, uh, and getting wins that are going to put them in the tournament. And then 
their playing style is a little bit difficult to play against. Yeah. Uh, I think they're 33-9 and nine in their last 42 games. And from a coaching perspective, when you have the same players running on a streak like that, uh, which included the, the run of the Elite Eight, does that uh, that winning feeling become contagious? Do they start feeling like, well, no matter what, we're going we're gonna to pull through a game? Yeah, you know, I, I think they have an expectation that they, there's no one they're going to play against that they can't beat. I think it's also, you know, you are your habits. You know, all of us, whatever we do, you are your habits. Uh, they put in the work. Their habits are good. Their system is good. Their trust in the system is good. Their trust in each other is good. Uh, the respect that they have for each other is at a high level. But, yeah, I mean, the more you win, obviously, that's conducive. They don't get seduced by winning. Uh, they understand the winning is a byproduct of their preparation and, and how they play. So, you know, some teams get full of themselves. That, this team gains confidence from winning, but also then it gives you motivation to continue to do the right things. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Coach L and Leonard. Both guys were nominated for the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I think both guys will eventually get in. I mean, you never know how long it takes to get in. I mean, I think about what Jimmy's done. Jim, Jim is where he's won, whether it's Bowling Green, tough place, you know, whether you know it's George Mason to a Final Four, building that program, basically helping build the school's identity, uh, and then you know coming to Miami and the success they had there, uh, obviously worthy. Final Four, lead eight, NCAAs, player development, done it the right way. And then Coach Hamilton, uh, first of all and foremost, think about his journey you know, when he became a head coach. Uh, and the, not only the lives he's impacted, but he's impacted the profession. He, you know, he's opened up doors for other African-American coaches uh, to get jobs. He's become a, a statesman for the sport. Uh, and then, oh, by the way, he's had an incredible incredible success everywhere he's been by doing it the right way. Uh, and, you know, think about, think about what he's done to Florida State and strength in numbers, uh, playing 10 guys, uh, you know, getting them to trust each other in a time where it's really hard to keep guys happy. You know, he convinces those guys that, you know what, we're playing 10, and when your number's called, and by the way, you can come off the bench and become a first-round draft choice. So two guys that are worthy, and I, I, I would hope eventually – would be inducted into the Hall of Fame and, and should because if you, we're celebrating the history of the sport. Uh, you know, there, there are some guys that are at places that are easy. Both of those guys have been at places that are hard and made it look easy. No, that's exactly right. Um, uh, obviously, when you were at Virginia, Virginia Tech, you, were at the, you coached inside the Wasco Center. I'm curious – uh, you were there the other night as an analyst, as a broadcaster. I had a chance to see uh, Dan Radikovich as well. Both of you guys were there in the early 80s. But maybe did you have a chance to kind of reflect on, hey, this Watsko Center looks pretty good when it's full and they're playing at a high level compared to where yeah, it was look, when, when you, with, with what you guys started with? Yeah, well, I mean, James L. Knight Center, you know, you know in the theater. <laughs> uh, you know, I thought I was going to you know, see an opera. It's amazing where the programs come. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, you know, thinking about where we when we first got there with no basketballs, no stationary, practicing outdoors in the rec center, then moving into the James L. Knight practice facility, which was ahead of its time. That's now a volleyball facility. Uh, no league, crazy schedule to 
and where it is now, you know, it, it makes you feel good. I, you know, while I was walking, because when you're coaching, you don't get a chance to appreciate that. You know, you just worry about your team. When you're going in in, in the capacity I'm in now, you know, it gave me a little bit of chance to reflect on Coach Foster and, you know, the journey that we went on to get that thing started. Uh, and now the Watchco Center, it, it's, a, it's a really good building, but, you know, quite honestly, it needs a facelift. And Dan, Dan understands that. Uh, building's only as good as its renovation. Uh, it's 20 years old. After 20 years, locker rooms and lounges and weight rooms and practice facilities and amenities, you know, the things change. And you've got, you know, it's, it, in a little bit of ways, it's, it's an arms race. It's an NIL race. It's, there's so many things that go into maintaining a program. But, uh, yeah, it, I, I was more reflective when I went back. Uh, the other night than I probably ever was when I was coaching because you're so preoccupied with everything. Uh, seeing some friends, seeing yourself, Joe, who, you know, so many fond, fond memories of you and Sonny and the start of the program and uh, so many fond memories of the people that I met. I, you know, I got a chance to see Warren and Brad Wise with dear friends. I mean, you know, Karen and I met in Miami. We were married at the Grand Bay, which no longer exists. So, you know, it brought, you know, to get a chance to reflect back on the beginning of the Renaissance was, was kind of cool. Yeah. Let me put in perspective how long we've been doing this, talking basketball, you and I. You just mentioned the James L. Uh, Knight Center with the one-sided arena that we played basketball <laughs> in. Steve Kerr, yeah. who now is one of the great coaches in the NBA, played for Arizona in a game that you coached in. He was the, he played for Arizona when we played Arizona. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I still look. Uh, Eric Brown came to visit me. Uh, the first recruit I signed uh, yeah. at Miami, uh, who's you know in the Hall of Fame and uh, who's done so many great things in the community as a as as a law enforcement officer and just so good to you know see him and uh, it's crazy, Joe. I'll give you like he gave me a hug. He said, "Coach, can you believe this?" I said, what's that, E.B.? He says, you know I'm 55 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, like, tough. that was, you know, and, you know, I'd love someday for his jersey to be hanging in at rafters. You think about what he was, you know, yeah. that's boys and girls high school, coming to a place that never played a game, second all-time leading scorer in the history of the school, uh, you know, playing a vagabond schedule. You know, it's different than the guys that came in that were playing in the biggest or playing in the ACC, playing with other really, really good players. Uh, what he was able to accomplish. So, you know, it was really cool to see that. Uh, you know, we, we showed some pictures. with some tough things. I mean, we showed a picture in the broadcast uh, of all those guys by the pool, and there was Brian Hughes, who, you know, obviously went in the wrong direction, lost his life. And, you know, I've stayed in touch with Joel Warren. I've stayed in touch with a bunch of these guys. So it's, uh, you know, it, it was fun. But it's been, yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, you think about, where we started that first year, not even playing games, uh, you know, and, you know, thinking about that first great win against Georgia, how, how did we win? We starting four freshmen and Tim Harvey, uh, you know, against Georgia and, you know, the ups and downs of, you know, the first, the Puerto Rican tournament that we went to yeah. was the first time people, you know, had a, a MTE quote unquote in Puerto Rico. So there were a lot of groundbreaking things that we were able to do in that Renaissance and a lot of lives that were changed, through it, but none of it would have happened if it wasn't for those founders. I look at that, that founders banner, and uh, you know those people are the ones that shared the vision of bringing basketball back, and uh, they should always be celebrated because without them, who knows what conference you know yeah. Miami would be in, and 
where this basketball program would be. But by the way, if the if you had those players today, that roster, Eric Brown, Dennis Burns, Presto, some of the guys you had on that team, uh, basketball was different in those days. You were you were a young team playing a very competitive schedule. UCLA, Duke, North Carolina, Arizona, all those teams in in those years. Uh, those guys were all filled with juniors and seniors. And if that was today, yep. be reversed. Your team would be the veteran team. Those were good players you had. Yep. Mark Richardson, yeah. Timmy Dawson, Kevin Presto, Brian Hughes was a you know pit bull defender. Dennis Burns was a freakish athlete. I mean, we had we had a, a good core group of guys and, and really good guys that are all I mean like no one's more proud of UM. And think about it, a kid from Bed Stuy in Brooklyn has made his home in Miami. No one's more proud of Miami basketball and university than, than Eric Brown. I mean it's yeah. I speak to Tim Dawson all the time. Uh, he came up to games when I was at Virginia Tech. I mean, so that was a core, a core group that could have, in today's world, they were one, number one, they were positionless. Think about the way, you know, it, it, we didn't play with two big guys. I mean, we, we, we were a positionless ahead of our time in a lot of ways. I mean, Eric Brown was our four-man at six 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 seven. It was explosive. But uh, those guys should be proud of what they, the foundation that they laid, and, you know, whether it was Coach Foster or, you know what you know basically built a bridge for what's happening you know today uh, at Miami and then the crowd was great even with the students out I thought the crowd was really good and you know you see a lot of faces that have been there a long long time supporting you know Miami athletics and then for Dan to be back there and, and understanding and helping them grow you know the identity and the brand back to I got a chance to see Alonzo Highsmith and spend some time with him which was really really fun for me uh remembering him as a player. I mean, I remember Sundays watching NFL football games at Paul DeMar's house with, you know, you know, Alonzo and, you know, just seeing him grow up and seeing what a great role model he can be for those young Miami football guys that are coming in. You know, obviously they had a great recruiting class. You hope that those young players listen and hear his message because I think it's a powerful one. Well, I didn't mean to go down memory lane, but it's worth it because Miami basketball uh, still it wouldn't be here without you know guys like you and Coach Foster. Danny Chu is worth about a gazillion, gazillion dollars now. What a story he is! Uh, but he's moving he's back more... to Miami. Is that right? Good. How yeah. about that? Yeah. All right. Uh, real fast before I do let you go, what what do you think as we hit? Uh, when we when we get into the new year here, 2023, we'll hit January, February. What what are going to be the big stories in college basketball? I, you know, the big stories are going to be who's going to emerge. I mean, right now, obviously, yeah. you know, get old, stay old. The old teams are doing pretty well, except like you look at Purdue. They have that young backcourt, but they've got seven foot, you know, five inch Zach Eady. I think the older teams are going to se- separate themselves. There's no doubt about it. I think within the ACC, I think it's going to be. Five teams have separated themselves. Uh, you know, obviously, Duke losing the other day. North Carolina is going to get it back. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Miami have kind of, you know, a lot of ways separated themselves. Wake Forest, obviously, is going to be in the conversation. But a- across the country, you know, you-, you really look and say, like, where are we at right now? And you know, we've had some guys in the portal that have impacted the game uh, significantly. Uh, we've had some freshmen have impacted the game, but I, I think in the end you're going to see older, more mature teams that understand that you have to navigate the roadblocks and the detours of the season. I think that's really important, whether it's the SEC or the ACC or the Big 12. Uh, and, and don't count Kansas out. Uh, Kansas is a team that, uh, 
you know, players that are emerging, we think of player of the year candidates, you know, whether it's Zach Eady, whether it's Jalen Wilson, another example of an old guy that ran his own race. You know, you're seeing players, I, I said this in our broadcast, you know, you know, Isaiah Wong ran his own race, you know, didn't get caught up in having to get out, but kind of continued to get the feedback and, and worked on his game. So, uh, it's, I think it's, we're going to have an amazing season. No great, great teams, but we have more good teams because of the portal and NIL guys came back. So uh, there's going to be greater parity, which is going to mean for great league play. This portal and the NIL, it's a, it's a wild time to be in college athletics. It's, I don't know it, what it the end game tough, is. It's a tough mix. Yeah. Portal and the NIL, let's look at it this way, Joe. You're a sports fan. NBA, Major League Baseball, NFL, they could not survive with each and every year having free agency. They, we've, I'll leave you with this. In two years, we've got to have contracts because we don't have contracts. The portal will, will, in a lot of ways, destroy college athletics in a way because the lack of loyalty uh, will, be, will make it basically uh, a chess match each and every year because every player in the country will put their name in the portal and it. And that's not the way it should be. We still got to get back to the value of education, the value of experience, and having these guys understand that like, we got guys going to three and four schools. So when they get older and they have kids, like, they, where do they bring their kids to? Say, that, that's my school. That's my banner. That's where, the, you know, yeah. it doesn't exist anymore. We've got to find a way to get that under control. We're not going to turn them back NIL, but NIL is not NIL. Let's be honest, it's pay for play. All right, collectives are pay for play. That's not NIL. NIL, name, image, and likeness. All right, if it was just that, we'd be fine. But it, it, what, what it's turned into is collectives, which basically is pay for play. Yeah, we're turning into um, mercenaries. Everybody's becoming a mercenary. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and that's not what it's supposed to be about. Hey, it's always great to talk to you and see you. And um, I always appreciate it. And uh, you got a scouting report for me? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I always give you a scouting report. Any, Joey, anything you need, you know that. By the way, I'm still getting scouting reports. I'm doing it for 40 years, and I still dig into the scouting reports. So you'd be proud of that. Uh, thank you for being with us. Have a great holiday. Look forward to seeing you perhaps again somewhere. Maybe you'll catch another one of our games. But it was great to see you the other night. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. Stay well. Happy right. holidays, everyone. All right, Seth Greenberg joined us. Uh, when we come back, uh, still to come on the show, Jim Laranega and Katie Myers. We continue on the show right after this. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.